grandkids. All right. Well, last Sunday we began a corporate time of prayer and fasting for this coming year. I preached a message specifically called Prayer and Fasting. We talked about personal prayer and corporate prayer, how you need them both. I preached about the God model for fasting according to Isaiah 58, and I truly believe that every Christian is called to live a fasted life, not just times of fasting, but a fasted life, whether it's a time where you're going without food or not, but that it's a fasted lifestyle by applying the truth that we discovered, truths we discovered last week into our daily lives. And if you haven't heard it, if you weren't here last week, get it. Listen to it. Study it. And begin to walk it out. All right, so today, today I want to share a message with you entitled, oh, thank you. I was going to wear that. <laughs> Today's message is titled, Destroying Distractions and Killing Giants. So turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews 12 and Ephesians 6. Put your finger over in Hebrews, or I mean Ephesians 6. Hebrews 12 and Ephesians 6. The distractions that I want to talk about come to derail you from your journey with God. Distractions don't come as roadblocks. They won't bother you if you're just sitting in the parking lot of your journey with the Lord. They will come as subtle detours. You ever been flying down the highway? I mean, uh, going 70 miles an hour down the highway? And you know you've got just enough time to get to your destination. And all of a sudden you see that sign that says detour ahead. It's like, no. No. Well, don't you wish that the distractions in our spiritual life would come with that kind of a warning? Detour ahead. No, all of a sudden you're just going that way. You're like, what happened? There was a distraction. They come subtly. I've preached on distractions before. I went back just to make sure, but I have. They can be beautiful things. They can be wonderful people, great adventures, even good spiritual things. But if they keep you from what God is calling you to do, it's a distraction to you. I was recently at a pastor's conference, and I was sitting in the second service of the day, and wonderful speaker, very down-to-earth, loved him, was really connecting with him, and then I get this text that just totally took my mind, let's just say, going right. I couldn't focus on the, the rest of what he was saying. I couldn't tell you what the rest of what he was saying was all about. I have no idea. I was, I was way over here. The next day, I had this whole day planned with half my staff and all the stuff I wanted to get done. And before I even begun the day, I get a phone call. And next thing I know, well, let's just say it popped my bubble. And I couldn't think of anything else. 
That was it. And so without even thinking about it, I'm like, I got to deal with this. So I called and canceled my plans with the staff. Then I went the whole rest of the way, stirring and feuding and foaming and, and how do you do this and how do you fix this. And, how, and then at the end of the day, I sat down at the dinner table and I looked at Brian and I'm like, well, there. And I heard the gentle correction of God saying, well, there. What did you accomplish today? We had plans today. And I thought, I missed it. And I had to go back and apologize to the staff. I'm sorry, I missed it. Totally got sucked into that detour. You know, I know some of you right away will jump to the conclusion, curse the cell phones. Right? Get rid of them. They're the devil's tool. <laughs> now, it's, it's on us. To be able to filter out what's a distraction and what's important. The minute I saw that that's something that could have waited, I should have put it out of my mind and said, God, you and I will deal with that later. The minute I get that phone call, if I can't do anything about it right now, God, you and I have plans. I can deal with that later. You and I, God, will deal with that later. That's our job as adults, as mature Christians, to filter out distractions from a distraction to what's important. And let me show you, in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. I'm sure you all brought your paper Bible, right? Because we're going to mark that up. No, not as much as we did last week. Which if you weren't here last week and you're going to listen to it, let me just forewarn you, have a paper Bible and a pen with you. All right, so Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1, therefore. Okay, stop right there. Therefore. That word therefore means he just told you something that was really important. Therefore, because of what I just said, therefore... So I think we need to go back and see, what did he just say? Well, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole chapter 11 to you, but that's called the faith chapter. Over and over, he's saying, this guy did this by faith, this girl did this by faith, this happened by faith, this person, this faith, all this exploit. Look at them all, they're awesome. Faith here and faith there. And then verse 39, these were all commanded, or commended, sorry, for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Verse 40. God had planned something better. God had planned something better for us so that. Those words are important. Therefore is important and so that is important. So that only together with who? Us. With us would they be made perfect. All these great exploits of faith happened. Why? Therefore, because of everything they'd done, that all their faith, all the great exploits can be combined with us because God has something better planned. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? All those chapter 11 people. They're watching us, buddy. I did this. You better do that. He's like, you know, tag, you're it. It's like when you're wrestling. You ever, you know, I'm sorry. We used to be in the W, really into WWF, you know, wrestling where they're like tag team and you run and you tag your buddy and he jumps in and you get one good pounce together before you're really supposed to go out, you know, right? That's what these people in chapter 11 do. And they're like, come on, come on, boom, tag, you're it. Go get them. Therefore, together with us, they're watching us, surrounding us. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hello? He's the author and the perfecter. You're like, I just don't have great faith. He didn't say it if you have great faith. He will give you the faith and he'll perfect that faith in you. Who for the joy set out before him, Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the thorn, throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me back up a little bit. He said, throw off everything that hinders and the sin. I've heard it preached over and over again as if it's just the sin that they're talking about. No. It's everything that hinders and the sin. What does it mean by everything that hinders? Any little distract. You ever wonder why those guys running those races wear those little speedo things? Or why the swimming athletes shave everything? Even their eyebrows, I've seen them. Or they wear, they cover it all up. They put everything under those little tight little things. And throw off everything that might slow you down. And the sin. And let me just, because I want to throw a little icing on your cake here. If you go on to read after that, verse 3, he talks about your struggle with sin. You haven't seen nothing yet. Come on, stop bellyaching, basically. Let me paraphrase you. Here's Brenda translation. Endure it. Come on like a good soldier. You know, suck it up. Rub dirt on it. Keep going. Isn't that what your grandpa used to tell you? And then down here at verse 12, there's another one of those. Therefore. So because of all these faith people that are surrounding you, that are watching you, that have tagged you now into this race and said, come on, God's got something bigger planned. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that, there's that word again, so that. The lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Why do you do all this? So that healing will come. So that, therefore, and so that, 
Every time I'm studying and I see those words, I circle them. Lord, you're trying to tell me. Therefore, what just happened? What are you trying to explain to me? If I do this, the whole last week we did little uh, symbols in our Bible that there was five ifs. There's 19 promises in Isaiah 58. Five ifs. If you just do these five things, he tags on, then I will do five thens, 19 promises. When you come across the words, therefore, so that, if you will, God says, I will, those things should ding, 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 put little uh, uh, light bulbs on in your mind. I'm focusing on this. So that, I want, I want to focus on that word. All this stuff is there for you. If you just get rid of the distractions, destroy the distractions, anything that might slow you down. I mean, like I just shared with you, the phone goes off and you get that text, you know, or, or that phone call, and it tries to derail you, it tries to detour you, that you throw it off and say, not right now. If it's going to take me away from what God has for me right now, and it could be something wonderful. It could be something beautiful. I mean, let's just look. It could be a promotion. It means more money. That's got to be God. Right? I want you to weigh things. Is it a distraction? I want to be able to help you destroy distractions in your life so that healing will quickly Come. I had someone um, called me up the other day and said they got a word during this prayer and fasting for the church. And I, when I heard it, it, it bore witness right away with what I've already been feeling over the last year um, and preaching that I think we're, we're losing focus here. We need to focus on our mission. Focus on our mission. You heard me say that a hundred times. We got a job to do. Come on, come on. You know, there's no time to be sitting around and just enjoying the blessings of God on our blessed assurance. And when this person who wants to remain anonymous shared this with me, I said, I got to read it this Sunday because this is a result of getting distracted. This is what happens when you lose focus. And over and over again, this person saw um, a fat man and a skinny man. And so I asked this person, please write it all down. Let me, let me read it for Sunday. It says, I saw a fat man surrounded even the areas of his ankles and wrists were thickened. Then I saw that man couldn't move. He was so big. I also saw a man that was so thin you could see the outline of a skeleton of in his bones. The church is the fat man who has become so fat and the thin man is the nations of the world. The nations have become so malnutritioned that they have no substance or on their bones. The church has taken all the milk and all the meat of the word and left the nations to starve. We, the church, have gained wisdom, knowledge, and understanding which are important in and of itself for the body of Christ. Now, though, now we have become so complacent and so lazy that we cannot even move. 
We as the church need to exercise and take the weight off and go into the nations and feed them. Give them the nutritious nutrients of the word of God. We have to flow into the world. We need to share what we have learned from the different classes, being all the spiritual calories we have put in. If we want to defeat Satan by the word of our testimony through the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and by the word of God, all through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, we have been equipped. But all these things still will not work unless we appropriate them in our lives. We must do what Jesus did, sit with the sinners, pray for the nations, an intercession, and we literally need to act on God's commandment to go. Like a marriage, someone who is your first love, like our relationship with Jesus Christ, you want everyone to witness the day you found the love of your life and to share in your happiness. In the same way, we have to be so in love with Jesus Christ that we want to share our relationship with him to the nations of this world. We cannot take our relationship for granted and become complacent. We must remember someone reached out to us in our sin and introduced us to the bridegroom. It is a matter of the heart. We need to have a heart after God's own heart like David did. And she asked me, the person asked me to read Revelations 3. It says, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. And I'm going to stop right there. That's the result of yielding to a distraction. And see, is there anything wrong with what we've been doing? We're called as pastors to equip the body of saints to what? To do the work of the ministry. What's the greatest command? To go into all the world. Our job is to equip you, to train you, to make sure you're ready, you're filled. But if all you do is sit and eat and eat and eat of the word. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't want to say that. It's time. To start recognizing the distractions in our life. And remember, there's a point, there's a purpose. God has planned something better for us. Inner distractions, like we're called to uh, in this message, need to be repented of. If we've allowed our heart to go astray and follow after distractions, that's something that we need to repent of. We need to ask God's forgiveness and to ask God to help us by his Holy Spirit to refocus us and then do it. 
You can't keep coming to the altar and pray, God, forgive me, I'm not fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. And then feel all the forgiveness of God and all the love and affirmation and get up and not do it. You have to go do it. Distractions, so distractions can come from inner things like that. Or they can come upon us from outside. It could be a thousand good things or it could be one big bad thing. And I'm not going to try to name all the distractions. I just need to make you aware of them and their intention. If you can recognize what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, it will be easy to recognize the distraction in your journey. And since we're in the final days of our prayer and fasting, I thought it appropriate to focus on a key player in distractions. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to put on your big boy pants for a minute here. Because what I want to share with you is, is really uh, some meat, not just some, see, we need the milk of the word and we need the meat of the word, okay? So, uh, but Dr. Dave Williams in his book, Miracle Results of Fasting, put in a whole chapter dedicated to what he calls, well, what the Bible calls Leviathan, which is a spiritual giant creature of distractions. And so I encourage you to get that book. You can get it on Kindle, and this is not a commercial, but you can get it just about anywhere, Miracle Results of Fasting. And chapter 9, I'm just going to take excerpts from it right now. But Dr. Dave, let me read his words here. Have you ever felt like you were being tossed back and forth with only brief moments of relief? That's the way Leviathan, this spiritual crocodile of distractions, works. He will try to whip you this way and that until you get so tired and you become cynical and say, what's the use? I give up. But we don't need to succumb to Leviathan. We can recognize his character and defeat him. So how do we recognize him? What are his character traits? Here are five that Dr. Dave has identified, and I'm going to go through them quickly. One, Leviathan has many heads. The psalmist in Psalm 74, 12 through 14, spoke in the plural about the heads of this dragon. He says, when there are many heads, there is confusion. Have you ever been in a family that seemed like there was? No. Never. Well, there's too many chiefs in the tribe. Families become this way when everyone thinks that they're in charge and the result is confusion and distrust. Churches are also often afflicted by this multi-headed problem. Each head of Leviathan speaks to a different person, whispering in ears, convincing each they are right. Then through rumor, gossip, and even doctrinal error and disputing, he convinces believers that they are right and their leadership is wrong. In this way, he incites a very subtle rebellion. See, distractions work in subtle ways. And he works against our unity in the faith. Number two, Leviathan is piercing. Isaiah 27.1, he is called the piercing serpent. The word piercing in Hebrew means roaming, shifting, focusing only on the temporary things. Leviathan tries to get people to focus on the temporary rather than the eternal. 
A sense of restlessness or an inability to connect at church can be a sign that you're under his attack. Number three, Leviathan seems bigger than he really is. Do you know the feeling when your problems of fear are far too big for even God to handle and prayer just can't seem to send them away? It's an interesting fact that most people who see crocodiles report them to be 30 feet long or bigger. Yet the average crocodile only grows 12 to 15 feet at the most. In other words, people think Leviathan is twice as big as he really is. Part of the devil's plan is to intimidate you into believing and giving in so you, he won't even have to fight. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in the end, we'll look at Satan and go, what? You? You're the one that terrorized nations? You know, I can just see, because I'm a short person, but I can just see somebody shorter than me standing over there. with mm. You? But you, I thought, and I, and you? It's a ploy of the enemy to puff himself up. To make him look, to bully you into thinking he's bigger than he is so he won't even have to fight. Number four, Leviathan is crooked. Crooked means deceitful. A person who is affected by Leviathan will not give you a straight answer. You feel like you're dealing with something that you just can't nail down like the blob. You know what? 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 You can't even hold on. What? The worst kinds of problems are those you can't identify. And number five, Leviathan is king in the children of pride. The entire chapter of Job 41 is about Leviathan. It would take an entire book to discuss this, but Dr. Dave says, I believe the bottom line within them, within him, is pride. He personifies and incites people to be proud haughty, arrogant, and superior in their own eyes. Those who come under Leviathan's influence believe they know more about God's word than anyone else. They're more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than anyone else. And their ideas and their agendas are far more important than anyone else's. With pure motives, quote-unquote, and a view toward Speaking the truth in love, quote-unquote, these good intentions saints wreak havoc in the fellowship of believers thinking they are doing the right thing. They are blinded by pride, and there's only one way to break Leviathan's grip on their minds and hearts. So what is it? How do you get rid of this horrible creature of distraction? There's only one way, prayer and fasting. Nothing else will do it. Not good motives, not bright ideas, not friendly smiles, not emotional conversations, not more meetings, not strategies, not quoting the Bible. Nothing but the atomic bomb of prayer and fasting together. Distractions have to be destroyed immediately or they become giants. Destroying distraction, distractions and killing giants. Of course, there's other ways and other things in our lives that can become giants too, like our finances, hello, or the lack thereof. 
a doctor's report, a child's rebellion, a wayward husband, a disrespectful wife, uh, alcohol, uh, prescription drugs, you name it. So many things in your life that can become giants. And let me tell you, you cannot manage a giant. You cannot counsel a giant. You cannot reason with a giant. You must kill the giant. So how do we become giant killers? <laughs> I don't want to become a giant killer. Don't make me kill giants. I, don't want to. I just want to love Jesus. Sing kumbaya, kumbaya. Peace, peace, peace. Lord Jesus, come back quickly. We're not called to that. We are not called to that. You'll get the peace. You'll get the kumbaya. You'll get all that stuff in heaven. This is, this is war, people. You know, we, when we said, yes, Lord, I take, you know, I give you my entire life. I take everything. It's all yours. You were immediately tossed on the front line and said, now fight. Well, what do you mean? I had life was so easy before I came to the Lord. Well, yeah, because you was in the enemy's camp. He already had you. Who was there to fight? There's no fight. The fight begins when you finally stand up. But guess what? We're on the winning side. You know, it's like the great novel, the, the battle. And you, What was that one book that was like this thick and it's something about war and peace? Thank you. This much war, that much peace. But in the end, we win. It's already been written. He's given you everything you need. He's given you all the authority. And then he sets you out there and just says, keep running, baby. Tag, you're it. Right? We can do this. Not because we can do this. He's done this. He just sets us out there. But it's time to kill those giants. You notice when he took Israel out of Egypt? And he says, I got a promised land for you. Who was in the land? Giants. What? What do you mean, Lord? That's supposed to be our promised land. Remember the report that came back? Oh, we can't do it. There's people in there. Could you imagine God saying, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> what? Where'd they come from? It's like, yeah, I know they're there. Because you can kick their butts. Sorry. But you can. And as a matter of fact, have you ever, I mean, I've seen, I think I've even preached it before, and I think I heard somebody else. I used to love Happy Days. I loved Happy Day, watching that Happy Days because of the Fonz. Let's just be honest, right? Hey. Richie was a nerd, you know? He's the biggest of all nerds. But he confronted some big bullies. Why? Because he had the Fonz behind him. Well, we got somebody greater than the Fonz behind us that's saying, go ahead, come on, you can do it, come on, let's go have fun, I like that, let's have fun, kill them giants. In Ephesians chapter 6, I had you place your finger there, so I wouldn't get distracted, maybe I already have, oh, I better just read it out of here. Uh, Ephesians 6, in verses 10 through 13, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God. See, you've been called to a war, baby. Here's your armor. So that, there's those words again. So that, circle. You can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authority, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, I love them words. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when it comes, it will come. You may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything else to stand. And you know what? I'm not talking about this kind of a stand. You got the full armor. I'm talking about this kind of a stand. You think you're going to get by me? No, I'm short, and most of the people I raised in my family, other than my daughter, are way taller than me or way bigger than me. But I tell them frequently, don't I? I can still take you. (laughs) Hope you know this mama can still take you down. You remember that. That's the confidence we have as Christians, that our dad's right behind us. Oh, I don't look intimidating. Oh, who's over my shoulder? Now do I look intimidating? I can take you. Put on the whole armor of God because we don't fl- we don't fight against flesh and blood. Don't look at people around you that are being used to attack you. It's not that person. It's the devil's scheme to get to you through people. I tell that when I counsel uh, marriages, married couples all the time. Stop looking at your spouse like the enemy. They're not the enemy. Focus your attention on the enemy who seems to have been using your spouse. Don't allow that to happen anymore. Stop directing your attention at your spouse or that person or your boss or your coworker. They're not the issue. Satan is. Direct your attention on him. He's the giant that we need to kill. God did not promise to always remove the enemy from your life. Remember the promised land? They were in there. He's like, now go on. It's like saying to your little kids, hey, um, there's a swimming lake back here. There's alligators in it, but go on. They say that he'll send us out like sheep among wolves. What? What are you talking about? He's like, because you're stronger than they are. You got this. I'm right here with you. You can take anything you want. Any place you want. Doesn't matter who's in it. You know what? I'm going to put the biggest people right in the middle of what I'm giving you. And now you go take it from them. Right? The greatest of all comforting scriptures, you hear it read at every funeral, is Psalm 23, right? Comforting. Oh, it's just wonderful. Here, let me, let me read it. It's, I love this. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Can't you just see you laying in the, on the hillside and in the grass and the wind and the sun and everything's peaceful? <laughs> and he goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? Wait a minute, what happened to the meadow and the land and the grass and the comfort and the, and the peace and the... What? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, that is, that is uh, defined as the word of God. The rod, the word of God directs me your staff a shepherd's staff was for knocking those wolves and dogs in the head that would try to come after the sheep your staff see your rod directs me your staff protects me where not when i'm laying in the meadow where does it when i'm in the valley of the shadow of death you're with me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy not in the absence of my enemy right in the presence of my enemy what on the front line when i'm out there in the valley of the shadow of death he goes hey let's eat what but don't you see the growling they're snarling he goes yeah and they're hungry too let's eat in front of them all right not in the absence of their presence, but in their presence. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where? In the absence of all trouble? Right in the land of the giants, baby. Right in front of them when they're snarling and snotting and growling at you and they're hungry and they're yelling out, I'm going to rip you apart. And you're like, really? I'm going to sit down and eat some cake right in front of you. And they're like, arr, arr. you ever have those dogs that just kind of look at you when you start getting out food? Huh? Huh? Every time I go get some ice cubes from my refrigerator, my dog comes up and starts drooling so much there's a and I'll eat, I do, I torment, I like eat that. I say, what? Oh, oh, oh. You don't want, do you want some of this? Oh, 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 oh. She's drooling. Think about your enemy is drooling when you can, with that confidence, sit there at the table of the Lord and eat in front of them. But it's not in the absence of those giants. It's in their presence because we were killed. We were created to kill giants. When God wanted to raise up the deliverer for the people of Israel, Moses, remember he was supposed to be killed with all the other boys two years and, and younger by Pharaoh. He said, forget it. I know God's going to raise up a deliverer, so I'm going to kill all the boys two years and under. Forget it. His mom put him in the basket, sent him down the river. To who? Who picked him up out of that river? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter said, hey, oh, I'll raise this baby. And then she goes to dad, and dad goes, that 
baby's supposed to be killed. Oh, but daddy, can I keep it? I'll take care of it. Right? You've heard your kids say that before. I'll take care of it, really. Yeah, right. I'll be cleaning up after that one in the middle of the night. He raised Moses, the deliverer, in his own house. He fed him. He's eating at Pharaoh's table. Could you imagine as God starts speaking to him as he's getting older, saying, you're going to kick his butt? Oh, daddy. Oh, that is the epitome right there of sitting in the presence of your enemy. Giants are everywhere. You must be prepared to kill them, not reason with them. To kill them, not manage them. David was the little shepherd boy who didn't like it when this giant and the Philistine army started speaking against his God and his army. Little boy. Now, could you see? Now, let's just all ignore him now. We're not listening. La, la, la. No, he's like, you said what? What did you just say? Hey, guys, you going to let him talk to you like that? What if we did that more often with each other when we come to church? So how's your week? Oh, it's really bad. You going to let them talk to you that way? Aren't you? Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray together. We're going to kill that giant in your life. Instead, we go, oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry that's happened to you. David trusted that if God could deliver him, give him the strength to kill a lion, and a bear, he'll give him the strength to kill that giant. Later on in David's life, the men who were closest to David also became giant killers. You want to know how to kill giants? Hang around some giant killers. And I, I can't, I don't have time right now to read it to you. Look it up later. First Chronicles in chapter 20, verses 4 through 8, lists some of those men and what they did. There was more giants out there. And it lists them that they're the descendants of these other giants. This is a brother of Goliath. One of David's mighty men even killed the brother of Goliath. The one that David's killed. Two lessons I learned as I get close, closing right now. Really, Amy, I'm closing right now. Two lessons learned from giant killers. Number one, always ask, who's bigger? You see, David, when he looked at that giant, he didn't look at him like, I'm only five foot tall and he's ten feet tall. He asked, who's bigger, God or that giant? Not David. David never said me. I wonder if I can kill him in my strength. He said, God gave me the strength to kill the lion and the bear, so he'll give me the strength to kill that guy too. Who's bigger, God or the giant? Bill Johnson said, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It just denies it a place of influence. You know, like, yeah, David didn't say, oh, guys, just close your eyes. Don't look. Don't look. Just ignore him. No, he said, hey, there's the giant right there. Oh, kill that sucker. The more you focus, though, on that thing and your strength, your strength compared to that thing, that thing will become more and more powerful. 
Because you can't do anything on your own. But when you compare that thing to God's strength, there's no comparison. Really? Is God bigger? Of course. Is that giant bigger? No! It's also not denying that it's there. Think about this in your own life. We all succumb to colds now and then, flus now and then. But for you to walk around and say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. That's just, don't listen to him, just ignore him. No, stand up to it, face it, don't give it power in your life, tell it God is bigger and you are going. You might think you have some residence here for right now, but you're going, you're on your way out. God is bigger. No giant has the power to undermine the power God has already demonstrated unless you give it that power. Look back at what God's done before. Is God, has God demonstrated greater power than what you're facing right now? And that goes right into number two, retell the testimonies. If God's done it before, he'll do it again. So when you line up that giant and you say God is bigger than that giant, and how do you muster up your courage to stand in God's strength? Retell the stories. God's done it before, he'll do it again. I killed the bear. I killed the lion in God's strength. I can kill that giant. He's no different. In Psalm 78, 41 and 42, it is humbling two verses that was eye-opening to me it's it talked about the children of israel and it said again and again they tested god's patience and provoked the holy one of israel and i taught you last week so then how how did they do that and you go on to read they did not remember his power and how he rescued them from his their enemies how do we provoke god How do we test God's patience when we don't remember his power and how he's delivered before when we stand face to face with giants and say, oh, it's just too big. Well, I better just accept this. Well, there's giants in our land. We can't take that promised land. We might as well just settle here. And what did they do? They died. They did. He said, fine, go ahead and walk around that mountain for 40 years then. Good luck with that. I have land for you to take. I'll even clear out the enemies. You just have to stand. I'm right behind you. You just have to stand. Take your land. I'll fight with you. And they said, we can. They forgot. They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies getting out of Egypt. This is the very fact that David stood on when facing Goliath. (laughs) God, you gave me the strength to kill the bear. You gave me the strength to kill the lion. You're going to give me the strength to kill that giant. I also believe this is how the mighty men around David became giant killers later. Every night, sitting around the campfire, I can just see, David, tell us again. How did you do that? What what was the look on his face when you were swinging that little stone? 
What was the enemy back there? What did they do when you finally took the sword and you cut off his head? Did they scream like girls and run? What did they do, David? Could you imagine? That's how they mustered up their faith. That's how they became giant killers. Retelling the story. Retelling the testimony. God has something better planned. Don't get distracted. Kill those giants in your life so that healing will come. Financial healing, physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing. Healing will come. I just watched a movie, Alice in Wonderland, through the looking glass. And I was shocked at a statement that was made. And I to tell you the truth, I can't remember if it was the Hatter or Alice that said it. But the comment is the only way to achieve the impossible is to believe it's possible. The only way to achieve the impossible is to believe it's possible. Do you believe God is bigger than your giants? Do you believe you're supposed to be walking in freedom and perfect health? Do you believe you're supposed to be financially free? Do you believe God can set you free? The only way to believe the impossible or to uh, achieve the impossible is to believe it's possible. So in closing, why don't you stand up? just close our eyes and really focus for a minute. God, what are you trying to say to us personally? Me. Turn it. Turn it to yourself. God, what are you trying to say to me today through this message? Do I keep getting detoured by distractions, God? Am I losing sight of the focus I'm supposed to have to go into all the world to make disciples, to preach, to heal, to set free? Have I lost that focus, God? Have I become fat with all the meat and all the milk of your word and haven't been giving it out like I should? What steps can I do today, beginning today, God, to become a giant killer for your glory in your strength, God? Speak, Lord, speak to them, speak to them. Speak to them, Lord. If you begin to, or God begins to identify some inner distractions in your life that has drawn your heart astray, um, repent right now, right where you stand, between you and God. God, just confess, I'm so sorry, Lord, that I've allowed my heart to become distracted. Repent of those things. Speak them out loud right now between you and God. It's you and Him. And maybe through this message, maybe even just now, you felt a little poke at your heart that God's knocking on the door of your heart saying, um, uh, hello, can I come in? 
You realize that you've been holding your own heart. You've been directing your own life. And today, if you're ready to make Jesus Christ not just the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life. And we want to pray for you. And if that's you, just raise your hand just so I can see it, because I want to pray with you. But today's the day. I want to give my heart fully to the Lord. I want to give my life fully to the Lord. I also believe that there's people in here today that are facing some huge giants in their life. I don't know for how long, but you've just felt just like we talked about earlier. And whether it's Leviathan or not, I don't know. But but you're facing a, a giant and you're like, I, I just can't do this anymore. Just slip up your hand so I can see it. I want to pray with you. Yeah, I see it. I sensed it last night as I was going to bed and again this morning in the pre-service prayer that there is a giant called cancer that's in the land and he's not supposed to be here. And we are going to stand together as an army of the Lord this morning and we are going to evict this giant called cancer. So if I can get the prayer team to come up here, unless you want prayer today for yourself, I understand, but the prayer team to come up. If you have been diagnosed with any form of cancer or you know somebody in your family or a friend that's been diagnosed with cancer and you're ready to have that giant killed, I want you to come up here. We're going to pray, we're going to believe, and we're going to speak we're going to give him his eviction notice. It's time for him to go. It's time for him to go. Jesus said, whatever is not loosed, whatever doesn't exist in heaven, does not, by God's authority, exist here on earth. You need to bind it. Bind anything in this earth that does not exist in heaven. Does cancer exist in heaven? No. Healing, complete healing does. He says loose, healing. Binding and loosing are the keys to unlocking the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're going to begin doing today. And if you want prayer for anything else, I mean, we're attacking cancer first, but anything else, I want you to come up front. Don't leave today until you've talked to God, you've taken practical steps to what he wants you to do to remove distractions and kill giants. But we're going to go after right now cancer, this giant called cancer. God, we thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you for the people at the altar right now, God. By your Holy Spirit, we ask that you begin to demonstrate your power. Confirm your word that was spoken for your glory, for your name's sake, God. You've given us all your authority, Jesus. In your name, we bind the spirit of cancer. 
all these individuals, whether they're here now or, or they're being prayed for by proxy, by an individual that's got them on their mind and in, on their heart. Lord, that wherever these individuals are, that they are, that cancer is bound now in the name of Jesus. And if it's tumors that they'll just fall off, Lord, that you just remove them. The body will reject them, Lord. And, and no longer, Lord, will they be plagued with this giant in their life. In Jesus' name, we loose healing. We loose complete healing and strength over these bodies. In Jesus' name. 